Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual, we have Patrick Brewer. Uh, how are you doing today, Patrick? Uh, great as usual. Nice. Uh, very excited to t- today to uh, bring to you guys uh, AJ Casavell, the uh, new Padre beat writer for the MLB.com. Um, he was gracious enough to come on and, and talk to us a little bit about himself and, and uh, about the new position that he has. Uh, AJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's uh, actually my first day off on the beat, so uh, just relaxing and hanging out with you guys. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I read a couple of your tweets. I know Corey was giving you a hard time, but uh, so how how are, how have you been? Uh, is, how's how's everything been the first week? You know, explain to been, us. You know what's uh, what, what's new and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 been good. I mean, I've, I've covered the Padres before, but I've, I mean, it's obviously my first week on the beat now. So I've been I've been meeting a lot of people, uh, getting to know some people. Um, uh, it, it's been kind of a kind of a relatively quiet week news wise. There's uh there's uh not a whole lot going on right now aside from a few position battles uh mm-hmm. which I think are pretty interesting this spring actually. Um but yeah, I'm just kind of kind of getting settled in, looking forward to the start of the season. Nice, nice. So so you mentioned you covered the Padres uh before uh for mlb.com. Uh tell they'll tell the fans a little bit about yourself, your background, uh how you yeah. baseball and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, actually, the funny story, this actually just came up uh, yesterday. The first day I ever covered the Padres, because uh, in, in 2011, I was the associate reporter for the Dodgers, okay. um, which basically meant I, I the Dodgers beat writer for MLB.com is Ken Gurnick, and I was kind of his uh, right-hand man for whatever he needed. Uh, and so if whenever a writer didn't make the trip up to uh, – whenever a writer didn't make the trip to L.A., I covered the, the visiting team. Uh, so the first game I covered – was the first Padre game I covered, first time I ever, was ever covering the Padres, was that uh, that Aaron Harang combined no-hitter that went into the ninth inning. Uh, oh, they had two oh. outs in the ninth. That was, uh, that's actually, and this just came up yesterday when I was, uh, we were kind of looking back on that. So anyway, so uh, to get more back to your question, uh, uh, I, I was the associate reporter for the Dodgers in 2011, and then in 2012 I moved down to San Diego and I did a, uh, I worked production for MLB.com, and I also wrote uh, global stories, so just just baseball in general, not necessarily Padres. And every now and then, I'd fill in for Corey, but mm-hmm. um, uh, but now, I mean, obviously now now I'm on the beat. But before, I, I've I've covered the Padres maybe thirty, forty games in the past. I'm not totally sure. Nice, nice. So you so you had a chance to cover them uh, as far as the regime under Bud Black and. Uh, um, tell us a little bit about you know what you see in the locker room as far as the difference between the two managers and, and the clubhouse in general. Yeah, uh, it's that's an interesting question because it's so early. Um, yeah. it's, it's really hard to tell. Everyone's just so optimistic every spring uh, that it's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, at least to me right now, Andy Green seems like the kind of guy who's he, he's he's he embraces kind of anal- analytic, forward thinking. Uh, Baseball strategy, uh, but at the same time, he has that kind of competitive edge and that fire that that would uh, would seem to win over a clubhouse. So it, it's a good mix, but it's so early that we're, I mean, I couldn't tell you if he's a good manager uh, because I don't know because he's never done it. Uh, but yeah. right now, the clubhouse seems it just seems. I mean, it, it's the same thing every spring, uh, but it just seems pretty relaxed and and. Obviously, at this point in spring training, everyone's just kind of ready to get the season started. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's it's a uh, it's a time of um, excitement, a time of uh, you know everyone's you know eager to get going. And, and I think you're correct on your assessment of Green. He he talks a great game, but you know we don't know necessarily know how his managerial strategies play out um, when the game's on the line. So it's it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how 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 he does. But uh, a lot of fans and a lot of people are, are very motivated by the way he conducts himself and the way he talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have every reason to be. So far, everything he's said, the way he's kind of carried himself, the way the team has reacted to him, it's, it's all been positive. But again, that's usually what happens in, in, in spring training. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, positivity on, on, on most mostly every team at this, this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Ex- except maybe the White Sox right now. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a mess right there. You, you know, give me give me your thoughts on that on that since you bring that up. Um, you know, you're uh, in the cl- you, you see a lot of kids uh, interacting with their par- their dads in in the in the clubhouse. You know, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on, on it? I mean, I have I 
I kind of, I mean, it's kind of the cheap answer, but I kind of just side with both. The White Sox are their own organization. They can make whatever, whatever policies they want to make. Uh, and, but at the same time, if, if LaRoche has been bringing his kid around to the clubhouse for years, I'd under, I can totally understand why he's upset, uh, at, at what happened. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously having the kids in the clubhouse is not something that bothers me or that mm-hmm. I particularly care about. And I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I, I don't know the circumstances behind what went on in Chicago firsthand. So, I don't really know exactly what led to them uh, asking Adam to to to, to kind of take it back a little bit, but I don't see much of a problem with it. Especially, I mean, it's not like they're in the clubhouse ten minutes before the game when the or when the game's going on. They're in the clubhouse a couple hours before the game, kind of hanging out. So I, I don't see much of a problem with it. But case by case basis, I'm not in Chicago. I don't know what's exactly what's going on there. So kind of getting back to the Padres. Um... What are you most looking forward to covering in your first year on the beat, AJ? Hmm. Well, uh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a fun pitching staff. I mean, I think, I think Tyson Ross is really, really good. Um, obviously, I talked to Darren Balsley yesterday. He thinks his slider is the best slider in baseball, and I, I don't disagree with that. He said it's 1A along with Kluber's and Archer's. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Just fun to watch him pitch every every five days. And Shields looked really good last night. Um, Kastner, we all know what he's capable of. Uh, if he can kind of put it back together, it's just it's a it's a fun pitching staff. Uh, it'll make, or at least at least those three, it'll make three out of five every three out of five nights. Pretty much winnable. It'll, it's it's hard to it, it's just, it's just a fun pitching staff to watch. I think, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm, definitely. Plus, how how the team just kind of reacts to the new manager—that's that's always something that interests me. Because, I mean, I'm not foreshadowing a playoff appearance by any means, but last year, uh, the Rangers and Astros—you saw what what kind of what the kind of effect of a new manager could have on a team. So I'm not but I'm not going that far by any means, but I think a, a change change of kind of change of the tone in the clubhouse is usually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Since you mentioned uh, the pitching staff, uh, what are your thoughts on the back end? Uh, who's going to get the four or five spots? Um, maybe your impression of Colin Ray so far. I know he's looked pretty good. Uh, Mar struggled a little bit. So who do you see getting those last two slots? Yeah, that's the, it's, that's a, that's probably the most fun race of the spring. I think the most interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, Mauer is interesting because he he struggled, but he told us we didn't know this at the time. He had that game on. I think it was last Friday night against the Giants. And he just got he just got mm-hmm. rocked, and it was we were watching it. And we we're kind of like, "There's either something wrong, wrong with him, or he has no shot." And after the game, and we found found out he had the flu, and he was throwing up before the game. So mm-hmm. he probably didn't have much business being on the mound in the first place. But he's a competitor; he wanted to be out there. Um, so other than that, he's actually looked pretty decent this spring. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I think he'll get another shot on either Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which. But that'll be interesting to see. It, it, I'm not. I'm not ready to write him off because of that one bad outing for a rotation spot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems like five guys in the mix for two spots. Uh, I think they. I think they kind of. When Brandon Brandon Morrow was good last year for his for his five starts that he made. I think when he comes back, they kind of want him as one of the two guys. But he's not. Necess- he's not going to be back by opening day, most likely. Uh, they don't need him by opening day. They need him by April 13th because that's the first day they need a five starter. But even that, I think, might be a stretch. So Colin Ray, Colin Ray, he's the one thing that's impressed me with him is a lot of times you get young guys that are. I mean, and he, he's not so young. He's kind of a late bloomer prospect type. But a lot of times you get guys who are just coming up to the big leagues for the first time, and they're kind of they kind of skirt around the strike zone. They're not afraid. They're they're afraid to throw strikes. Well, he he is not that guy. He he kind of he attacks the corners and he. He's not afraid to throw his fastball for a strike, which is a positive thing for a, for a guy who's just coming up to the major leagues. He is, I mean, he has a nice mix with his fastball too, because he can throw a two seamer that that breaks away and a cutter that breaks in. So uh, at, at this point, I would say he is a favorite for one of the jobs, but I don't. I it's it's all a toss up now. We're probably going to find that out actually in the next couple days uh, after each of these guys gets to go one more time, because. Uh, Andy Green said he wanted to start getting the guys that are going to be in relief, whether it's Drew Pomeranz or Maurer. He wants to actually get them relief innings. 
uh, so they can, mm-hmm. they can kind of work because you're it's, you're a different pitcher when you're pitching in relief. You're you're throwing fastball for in Mauer's case, fastball slider uh, pretty much exclusively. Uh, whereas now he's working on a changeup and a curveball. So uh, we'll probably find that out in the next couple days. Uh, Ray is a good option. Robbie Erlin looked really good on on Sunday. Um, I think Moro, once he's healthy, uh, mm-hmm. probably has one of the spots. But I can't say that because who knows? Maybe he'll struggle. Maybe he'll struggle when he's coming back. Uh, he allowed two runs the other day, but that was his first start of the spring. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know about James, but the way I see it, I think, I think Colin Ray's pretty much. I don't want to say all but gotten the spot, but I think if he impresses in the next start, it's pretty much his. Yeah. I agree. As for, I guess, Maurer and Pomerantz, I, I personally think they're both more well-suited for the bullpen. And the way Erland's been pitching, I think he maybe deserves a spot to start the year. But I, I think Maurer, um, sorry, Moro is definitely looming as, as a good option as well if he can finally stay healthy for once. But that's obviously a big question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's six DL stints in eight years. That wow. doesn't bode well. But he, he <laughs> you know what, he... he he talked uh, yesterday about his uh, – because he tried to come back a couple times last year and it just didn't work out. Well, mm-hmm. the, the, the surgery he had in the offseason was different from the surgery, from the, like the kind of cleanup work he got done. There. He called it he called the work that got done on his shoulder last year a Band-Aid, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and that the offseason was, was – he, he his shoulder feels fine. He's been – He's been kind of ramping it up to see if he even feels any soreness in the shoulder, and he hasn't. So take that for what you will because it's early and he's only throwing two innings at a time. But uh, if he's back and if he's pitching like he did in the first month last year, then the Padres have a have a pretty solid one through four. I always thought then, that Moro yeah, I mean, could potentially be a reliever if if for some reason his he can't get back to full strength to where he can throw five, six innings. I think he'd be a pretty good one-inning reliever. If, that, if it comes to that, it's definitely a possibility. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that, that's a good point. Because uh, he's he's his stuff's good, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like you look at it with the A's, you look at it with uh, what they tried to do with Jared Parker. Mm-hmm. You kind of wonder if if they had if they had tried to ease him back into the bullpen role, kind of like the Diamondbacks did with uh, Daniel Hudson, would mm-hmm. things have been different? And uh, and and it's it's unfortunate because I think Jared Parker had a lot of talent, but uh, the injuries just kept getting to him. Uh, it's a little different with Morrow because. He hasn't. It hasn't just been elbow, 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 elbow. Like yeah, possibly. yeah. It's been like it everything possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, but I, I think the Padres are right to give him a shot at the rotation. Just oh, definitely. He was so good. He was so good last year when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he was he was the Padres' best pitcher in April, and and I agree, he does need uh, you know be given a shot. But I think ultimately the bullpen might be his best uh, best for his health as, as far as uh, getting production out of him um i know for the blue jays early in his career he even recorded i believe 10 or 12 saves during a year so he has that ability that's um, right i forgot about that. uh aj uh you know I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on uh the setup role right now who do you think will be setting up for rodney right now that's that's kind of wide open isn't it uh okay okay yeah, I don't, it's, it, it really could be anybody. It, it, I, I think the interesting thing I talked – I asked Green about this like one of my first days on the beat, and he kind of just said, we are going to go – I think if, if Maurer ends up in the bullpen, he's he's the option. Uh, yeah. But Green said, it, we are just going to go based on matchups entirely, which I like. I'm not a one – of my, one of my baseball philosophies is that like defined bullpen roles kind of bother me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this guy has to pitch this inning. This guy has to pitch the eighth. This guy has to pitch the seventh. Even this, I mean, I'm not even, I even think you don't necessarily need a, a closer. If, if your best, if the toughest hitters are coming up in the eighth inning, pitch the closer in the eighth. That's, but that's just my philosophy. But I, I kind of like where Green's head's at in that, in that case. Cause it's, I mean, he's got, he's going to have six guys, none of whom stand out as the eighth inning guy. And all of whom I think, could potentially be the eighth inning guy, so why not give them a shot based on who they're facing? Um, mm-hmm. Pomerantz is another guy that I mean, he's not going to be the setup guy, but he 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 definitely projects better as a as a reliever than a starter right now. If he can kind of figure out his cutter that he's working on, then that that could throw him into the starting mix. But he, he's another late inning guy that who knows if they're facing three left-handers, he could be the guy. Mm-hmm. 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 It's it's nice that the Padres have you know a left-hander. Um, available now or at least at least one maybe two or three um yeah. 
last season was was a mess. You know, at one time, uh, Will Venable was the only left-handed throwing player on the Padres' twenty-five man roster, <laughs> which 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 in itself is kind of mind-boggling, being that you know it falls such a left-handed predominant sport, or, or at least it should be. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on Thornton? Do you think he'll make the team as a, as a left-handed relief option? Thornton has looked really good. Um, yeah. I see, I've yeah, seen he's he's looked really good this spring, and I it's hard to envision a scenario in which he doesn't make the team because he's pitching so well and his track record's so good. There's, I, I, I mean, I guess age is an issue, but he's he's looked fine. And here, the one thing I thought, the one thing I kind of thought with Thornton, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting, is well, they they have all the Rule Five guys that they kind of that they they'd like to make space for. They're not going to keep all four. They're probably not even going to keep two. But yeah. they have all the Rule yeah. Five guys. Uh, and and that that kind of raises the question: Where's the room for Thornton if they want to keep these Rule Five? If they want to keep a Rule Five pitcher or two? Um, mm-hmm. But if they keep Thornton, and if Thornton does what he did last year with the Nationals, and then if they uh, if they get to the deadline and they're they're not a contender, uh, Thornton could could be a teams are always looking for relief help at the deadline, so yeah. you, you yeah. could even get something for him, which I which I think is interesting. And that's that's this is getting so far ahead of myself because. First he, has to, first, he has to make the roster. He has to keep pitching as well as he's pitching now. The Padres, I mean, who knows? The Padres could be in contention at some point. It's not – that's getting mm-hmm. way, way ahead of myself. But that, that's an interesting way to, to kind of put it in the scope of does he have a spot on the roster? Well, he could bring the Padres something in the future, so maybe he does. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, if if they're out of it and come July, it, you know, things could get very active uh, for A.J. Preller on the trade front. I mean, you have John Jay in the last year of his contract, who I'm sure will have, be in high demand once uh, once yeah. teams fill out their rosters. He's been um, hitting the ball hard, too, recently. Yeah, he has. He's really impressed me, he, the way he's played and just the way he's carries himself. So, you know, I think the Padres needed a little more of a professional attitude, kind of like he has, and a long uh-huh. way in, in producing some win, wins on the on the scoreboard. Um, you know, you you mentioned the Rule Five guys. Uh, I'd like I'd love to hear your your thoughts on Jabari Blash. <laughs> everyone, yeah, Jabari Blash is kind of the the most popular man in camp right now. Everyone everyone yeah. wants to be talking about him. He's uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to make of him. I think it's I I don't know this for sure. I think, but I, I'd venture a guess that he'll be on the opening day roster just because they want to find out what they have. Uh, mm-hmm. He has looked mm-hmm. incredible. Incredibly overmatched at times this spring. He's just like just swinging over sliders, um, but then again, every now and then he just pops one into the seats that goes that goes 150 feet in the air, and you're just like, oh, okay, I kind of get yeah. what they're doing here. So uh-huh. he will. I mean, he's he's a strikeout walk home run kind of guy. He's been hitting. He hit a couple singles recently. Um, the other thing is he hasn't really done it against. He's he struggled against major league pitching, which is understandable he's never faced major league pitching but do you want to throw that guy right into the fire uh it'll it, it'll be interesting to see kind of kind of the way I, I my guess is that at this point that he has a spot on the roster because they want to find out what they have um but th- there's there's a chance that he just struggles because he's never he's never been at this level before yeah mm-hmm. I, I agree that that um blash is kind of probably the most interesting guy in camp right now and I just uh, looked up his stats. He has 30 at bats and uh, 14 strikeouts and seven walks. <laughs> so, as you yeah. said, he's pretty he's pretty boomer bust. It's either going to be a home run, a, a walk, or a strikeout. So yeah, not sure how you know well what, the walks are. The walks are worth pointing out. He has he has really good plate discipline. Yeah, it's either like swinging through swinging through sliders or, or walking to first or hitting home runs. So yeah, yeah, Def- definitely a lot of hit or miss in his game. Yeah, it's um, the second coming of Adam Dunn, I think. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> well, if the Padres get that, they'll be happy. Yeah, yeah I, don't, really. I don't know how well he can stick, but I mean, I think he's worth. I think he's worth the chance for sure. So I'm kind of going off that. Uh, I wanted your impression on another Rule Five guy, uh, Luis Perdomo. He's struggled pretty, pretty mightily. I, I, he's been pretty overmatched, I think. So, uh, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with him? You think he gets sent back to, uh, I believe, St. Louis? Yeah, I don't know. He's an interesting case because. I think there's a there's a lot of talent there, but he's he's by far the youngest of all the Rule Five guys, and he's he's been hit really hard. It, it mm-hmm. looks like, it looks to me like I, I I don't know this off the top of my head, but I think the highest level he's pitched at is Advanced A, mm-hmm. Advanced yeah. A ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, to me, it, it, I mean, you could 
could hide a guy like him at the back of the bullpen, but you need to at least be sure that he can get guys out, even in like even a, even in a mop up role, because you don't want to be bringing him. If it's a twelve, if it's a twelve one game, you don't want to bring him in and he gives up four runs and, and then you gotta burn another arm, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. So you can you can, there's I mean teams have done it before where they've kind of hid guys at the back of the bullpen, but you need to be sure he can get outs. And uh, he struggled. My, I, I I I don't know. I don't know what the Padres are going to choose to do because there's a lot of there's there. They're they're high on him. There's a lot of talent there. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken him. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether he. And then he has to go. He has to. Uh, he'd go through waivers, and it'd be interesting to see whether another team would take a chance on him. Um, he's an interesting guy. He's he's got talent, but he's young, and he's facing guys that he probably at this point in his progression shouldn't be facing. Yeah, part of me is hoping that uh, the Potters can work out some sort of deal with the Cardinals. Maybe send them a player just to, to keep him around as an actual like mm-hmm. minor leaguer, so he can have that time to develop. Because I really think he could be a a pretty good major league starter. Obviously, two three years down the line, once he fully develops. Because as you said, um, just facing batters at high A, it's kind of a huge jump to expect him to be able to fare in the major leagues. And no matter how good a player is, that's a, that's a tough task for sure. Yeah, I mean, but. The Cardinals aren't stupid. They know that if, if, if he's talented enough, they, they want him too. So it's yeah, interesting. So. It, it, it's an interesting situation. He'll uh, that'll be one of the fun stories. I because I, I I have a hard time seeing how he breaks camp on the roster, which mm-hmm. means that'll be a fun little story that develops in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Either can we keep him or is he gone? Like yeah, no, yeah. I don't see it, but it's definitely something to think about because I don't I don't see him being good enough to make the team based on I think he's given up like. I don't know, 10, 15 runs and whatever, five, six innings. So I don't think he's – he's clearly overmatched mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And right. it's – like I, I say, I'll say it again. It's through no fault of his own. He's just he's yeah, facing guys that he shouldn't be facing yet. Definitely. Yeah. So going off of him, a player who's maybe, I guess, disapp- not, not disappointed, but obviously he struggled, to a player who's been pretty impressive. I mean, he's obviously been sent down. But what are your thoughts on Manuel Margot and what kind of impression did he make on the uh, team? He's going to be good. He uh, and I, I. I can only say this from I covered him for about five days before he got sent down. That's mm-hmm. kind of when. That's. But I only I only saw him for four days. But he there's not a whole lot he doesn't do right. I didn't get a chance to see his arm. Uh, I, I don't think it, he he needed to show off his arm in any of the games I saw. But everything else I saw, he did really well. He runs. He covers a lot a lot of ground in center field. Um, he hits line. He sprays line drives all over the place, um, and. We were talking. We were talking about guys being overmatched. He did not seem overmatched. He kind of. He seemed like he fit right in. I think. I mean, I don't know if they'll. I don't know if they bring him up this year. I think 2017 is probably the more realistic option. But but they got they got a good one. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't see any reason to rush him at this point. I mean, the team's obviously not going to be in a position to compete this year, at least on paper. So. There's really yeah. no need to force force the hand and bring him up, but he was definitely impressive from the games I watched on TV. It was it was fun watching him play, and kind of it's, it's good to know that we got something good in return for Kimbrel. I mean, we obviously knew it was something good, but it's good to see it actually playing out before your eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, he's go ahead. He's, he's going to be a good player. Yeah, for sure. So since we're talking about Margot, I figured well, I might as well bring Javier Guerra into the conversation as well. I've seen you tweeting a little bit about him. He's obviously playing in the World Baseball Classic uh, qualifiers right now, or was. So, what are your thoughts on him? What kind of player do you think he could be? I, I, in all honesty, I have not seen him play yet. I've only seen clips. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he had some power last year that people were kind of wondering if he had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at the uh, the results in the World Baseball Classic qualifiers. I, I think he might, which is power for a shortstop is not something that comes along every day. No. Uh, so there are then they got eliminated. They lost to Columbia, so they yeah. won't be in the World Baseball Classic. But he's got he he he, he could be. They, let's I'll say this for sure: the Padres. And I'm not saying it's a bad trade for the Red Sox because the Red Sox are trying to win now and they needed a yeah. closer. But yeah. the Padres definitely made out well in the trade. It's not, I'm not going to say they they won the trade because the Red Sox are looking for a completely separate thing. But the Padres at this point, I firmly believe that if if the closer is kind of the last thing you need. You don't mm-hmm. need a closer. You don't need a closer if you're if you're the rest of your team isn't settled because you need to be winning games in order to save games. Exactly. So the Padres, so they did the right thing in trading Kimbrel and they got some really really good talent for him. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. They, they did the correct thing in, in moving Kimbrel and Benoit for that matter because, it, you know, it really didn't matter um, if having an eighth inning and ninth inning guy were were in place if, if you're not winning the game. So, you know, they did a great job in, in getting some prospects and rebuilding the farm system, and, and we applaud A.J. Preller for that move for sure. It, you know, we're, we're excited for both Margot and Guerra. They, they seem uh, like legitimate prospects, and, and uh, they should have a decent future ahead of them. Um, AJ, uh, you know, I, I coming across, uh, I came across a Trevor Hoffman piece that you wrote and, uh, uh, I, I thought that was a really well-written piece and, you know, I'd love to hear y- your thoughts a little more expanded on, on Trevor Hoffman and the hall of fame. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, it's an interesting one cause, uh, his case is so unique cause he's a closer, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I wrote that one in January, right around the hall of fame. Uh, the premise was kind of just. If you take Mariano Rivera out of the equation, which you can't do because obviously he exists, but he also exists in another world, on another planet. He might yeah. be the most dominant player at his position in any position in any sport I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you take him out of the equation, and Trevor Hoffman is kind of head and shoulders the number one closer of all time. And how? And it, 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 it's hard for me to understand how you can exclude the best player at his a, a player who's head and shoulders above the rest of all the other players at his position uh, mm. from the Hall of Fame, and he'll 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 get in. It's just a matter of when, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and you know the perspective that you put it in is uh, is is correct. I mean, he, he you, you can't blame him for pitching for Padres team that were less than you know they weren't the Yankees. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's yeah. not his fault, but you know he he got the job done. And I mean, he had one of the nastiest changeups in the game. I mean, even when he was throwing eight, high eighties, he was making hitters just look foolish on on changeups. So you know, you you have to tip your cap to him for for his effort for sure. Um, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll get in. He'll get his day. Yeah, he'll get in. Padre fans, you know, it, it was it was a hard pill hard pill to swallow, but you know, it it, it is what it is. Closers are, are just not recognized in the in the sport. Um, well, at, at the moment. Yeah, and that's that's one of the. I'm not. A, I don't really believe. Uh, no one really cares whether you're a first ballot Hall of Famer or third ballot or whatever. As long as you're in, you're in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I just I just pulled that article up, and I so here here are Hoffman's numbers where he would stack up if Rivera never existed. Six hundred one mm-hmm. saves first, eighty eight point eight percent save percentage first, two eighty seven ERA seventh, ERA plus one forty one third, batting average against two eleven first, WHIP one hundred six wow. first. 3.69 strikeouts per walks first, 25.8% uh, strikeout rate first. Now that's among pitchers with a thousand innings pitched. I think that's, wow. that's if Rivera didn't exist. Now a lot of those firsts yeah. become seconds if Rivera exists, but that's still you, you still think that that kind of dominance puts him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's without a question as far as uh, Padre fans um, regard, but yeah, I mean, he yeah, I will be there eventually. Yeah, I guess I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are, but you know it. It is what it is, and he, no, we we do recognize that he will be in eventually, and, and it's just a matter of being patient, if you will. Um, you know, I came across another piece that you wrote uh, with uh, bit, talking about uh, preseason predictions, which is something that um, is kind of a pet peeve of mine as well. I, I don't like doing pet peeve, uh, doing uh, preseason predictions because so many variables happen with injuries and, and players' uh, performance and stuff. So, you know, talk to me about. Um, what are your thoughts on, on predictions and, and how it's kind of uh, silly at this point in the game? It's it's just, I mean, it's fun. You can you can go ahead and do it, but it just, you just got to understand that doesn't mean anything. That's, if you look, look here, here's the way I kind of look at it. The three of the most stable organizations in baseball right now are the Pirates, the Royals, and the Astros. What mm. If you had told me that at the beginning of the year three years ago, <laughs> that would I would I would have laughed. That's in, that's insane. But baseball, just, yeah. it just there's just such turnover so quickly. And I remember writing last year about the Cubs and the Mets and how they were close, but 2016 wasn't their year, or 2015 wasn't their year. Well, of course, they ended up playing in the National League Championship Series. <laughs> Things happen quickly in baseball, and, and teams get old fast. Teams get good fast. Uh, and I mean. I don't have to tell you guys about injuries. Guys get hurt, and that, that obviously is a huge role in the way things shake out during the season. Um, yeah. that's, I, mean, I think that's one, of the big, that's one of the big reasons the Royals played the Mets in the World Series was because look at how healthy those teams were, and that's, kind of, that's, that's a roll of the dice, basically. So, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's baseball. It's, you, you never know what's going to happen, and, and 
it's fun to make predictions. I'm not I'm not saying don't make predictions. I'm just saying when you make them, don't think you're going to be right. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. You know, everyone everyone crowned the Nationals uh, champions last offseason, so you know, yeah, you got to exactly. play the game. Um, you know, here's something that's that's kind of hitting home right now. Um, you know, being that you're kind of a, an outsider and this is your first year, you know, I, I want to know your thoughts on uh, the Padres' retired numbers that were being moved. Um, a lot of fans are, are up in arms and upset about that fact. Um, I want to hear your perspective about the numbers and, and what you thought of them. Um, if they were an iconic uh, area, if you will, you know, to me, the whole thing is, is kind of silly. I'd rather have more accountability for the product on the field rather than, you know, a mundane detail like moving numbers around. But, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear you, your thought on the numbers and, and uh, the fact that the Padres are moving them. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say. I get it. I, I, I totally understand why, why it would upset people because baseball is such a tradition-based sport. It's such a... I mean that's kind of what makes the game so great is just how steeped in tradition things are, and when when people grow people grow attached to certain things about especially about their ballparks. The ballparks in baseball are it's it, it's more than five times more than any other sport a defining characteristic of the organization. You learn to you learn to kind of if you grow up in Boston you learn to love the monster Yankee Stadium you learn to love Monument Park. It's and mm-hmm. and 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 it's, it's so I under I completely understand why. Uh, it's worth getting upset. It's worth getting upset over because it's something that you kind of cherish about your ballpark. Uh, that said, I, I don't have that specific that attachment to those retired numbers uh, being over the center field batter's eye. So uh, I I don't feel any of the I don't feel any of those emotions necessarily. Um, and I also agree that I mean I'm a big believer in the pomp and circumstance that goes on around the team should be second to the product of the team on the field. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I'll just say it's it's a completely it's a completely legitimate feeling to be upset about that because it, it ballparks are so it, it, there's just so much tradition in baseball. Um, but but things change. It's just that's yeah. that, that's that's. I mean, ten years ago, I would never have thought there'd be a new Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, and there is. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's yeah. it's. Uh, they, I th- the game moves along, and what's most important to me is what's happening on the field. Yeah. yeah. I'm in agreement with James here. I think I understand why people are upset, but I'm I'm definitely more concerned with um, the team that's being built uh, in the next four or five years, the future, that sort of thing. I mean, I, I honestly could care less where the numbers are, uh, what uniforms the Padres wear, what color the uniforms are. I don't, I don't care as much about that stuff as a good deal of the fan base seems to, so... But uh, moving on from that, let's get back to the actual actual field and the roster. Um, I wanted your thoughts on on the most impressive player in camp, in, in my opinion, and many others, uh, Jamal Weeks. Uh, do you see him making the team? I mean, I obviously do because you can't um, you can't doubt those numbers that he's put up so far, even though it is spring training. So I wanted your thoughts on that whole situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, the numbers are the numbers are just spring training numbers ultimately. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not worth getting so worked up about Jamal Weeks having this fantastic spring because it is spring. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think what's more important that he's done. I mean, obviously he's hitting, which he needs to do to make the roster. They're not going to take someone who's who can't who's not hitting and put him on the roster. Uh, but what he's done more so is kind of proven that he can play all around the diamond. Mm-hmm. So he can he can play any of the infield spots. He can play some left if you need him. He's He's just made himself useful. He can steal a base. He's, I think he stole. Andy Green said he stole three times on command, which late in games, that's a that's an important thing to be able to do. A lot of base stealers kind of like to feel it out and take get take a couple pitches, get the pitchers read. Jamal Weeks stole three times on command and was three for three. Um, mm-hmm. Just he's just made himself really useful, and and in that in that regard, uh, I could def I definitely would put him as a favorite to make the team at this point. Obviously, nothing set in stone. Yeah, I feel like me and James have talked about this, and I, I said to him that the, the only the only way that he's going to get the spot over Amarista is if he can prove to be versatile, because obviously Amarista can play pretty much anywhere you stick him. I mean, obviously other than like catcher and first base. I mean, he uh-huh. pitched last year, so <laughs> um, for, for for me, weeks yeah. he's proved that versatility. And I feel like he's I don't want to say he's got the spot, but I think he's definitely one of the front runners, and I feel like if he makes a team, I'm going to be happy with that. And anything to I don't want to say get rid of Amarista, but I feel like 
if uh, we can replace Amarista with a player that can do the same sort of things and maybe do it a little better, I think the team will be better off uh, not only this year but in the long run as well. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, they could both make it or neither could make it. It's it's mm-hmm. It'll be an interesting couple weeks. They, it's it's going to come down to the last day, probably before the season, before we find this out. Yeah, so there's still time. Wow. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that is going to need to play out over the next, whatever, two weeks, less than two weeks here. So I think it's definitely an interesting race to watch, but I think Weeks has definitely made a good impression. Um, yeah, he's definitely he's made his case. He's done a, he's he's looked really good. Yeah, so bouncing off that, I don't know how much you've seen of uh, Hunter Renfro, but I wanted your opinion on him. He's obviously been sent down to AAA. Um, he'll likely stay there. Who knows? Maybe maybe all season. Maybe he'll get a late season call up, depending on how things shake out. But uh, what are your thoughts on him as a player and maybe his future? Uh, I well here's here's what I'll say: the El Paso outfield. Uh, Stacked, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually, my first day uh, on the beat was his last day, so I didn't get to see him a ton. I've oh. obviously read about him uh, and think yeah, uh, the, the Padres outfield could be in good hands for the future uh, with him and Margot. And it, I, I, I like, I like the potential out there. Um, he, I spoke with him on his last day uh, while he was clearing out his locker, and he. he he seems like a he's a hard worker. He's a good he's a good kid. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see uh, in terms of the future for the Padres fan base to see kind of some young guys uh, and and potential uh, going forward. Yeah, I think I think the potential is definitely there with with uh, Renfro, and I mean obviously Margot was impressive as well. I think there's there's definitely a lot to be hopeful for in the Padres outfield uh, for the future. What about you, James? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, they definitely have a bright future. I, I'm looking forward to seeing both Margot and, and Renfro eventually uh, in the Padres outfield, but I think that's gonna it's gonna re- it's gonna require uh, dealing Matt Kemp, which is a whole new issue in itself. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, what are your thoughts on Kemp uh, as far as um, the Padres are concerned? If if they're happy with him or if they're you know pursuing trades or you know what what are your thoughts on Matt Kemp as far as his uh, future with the Padres? Well, I think for now he's He's a Padre, and if I mean if, if he leaves, where's the offense going to come from? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's some. I'm sure they'll re, they'll explore later down the road, but uh, right now they're they're pretty comfortable with him in right field. Um, I, he's not he's not doesn't have the greatest range, obviously, as has been well documented. But I think they uh, they've been kind of uh, they've been ex- doing a lot with defensive positioning this spring, and. I've it, it it's had an impact, and I don't I don't mean to say that as as a like oh now Kemp is going to be a, he's going to be Gold Glove caliber because he's in the right spot. <laughs> there have been a couple times where there have been a couple times where I remember it um, against the Giants. Um, Matt Duffy hit a couple ropes into the into the corner, so it seemed it was going to the corner, and Kemp was kind of standing right there. That could make a big difference uh, in terms of his his value because if because if. If he can be an adequate defender, obviously he's a obviously he has a lot of potential at the plate. He's been he's been crushing the ball over the last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Then then all of a sudden his his value becomes pretty pretty tangible for the Padres. Yeah, no, you're right. You know they do need that solid presence in the middle of the lineup, and it's going to take some factors in order for them to be able to move him. I think Renfro or Margo would have to really step up their game in AAA and and show that they're ready to perform. And even then, you don't even know if they could perform at the at the major league level. So, you know, dealing Kemp and possibly possibly dealing Kemp is a is a situation that's kind of uh, kind of touchy, if you will. I'm, I'm sure Preller doesn't want to admit that he's wrong and eat up any salary as far as moving him. So it's kind of a touch and go situation, if you will. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved eventually. Um, I just saw. Note from uh, Dennis Lynn that uh, Andy Green is going to move Andy Mauer to the bullpen. So that uh, that uh, oh wow, some... yeah, I just I just saw a tweet that he just breaking sent out. Breaking news. Yeah, break, we're breaking news here. <laughs> See what happens on your day off. You you, you miss you miss something. Yeah, take one day off. You know, guys, yeah, one... to the bullpen. It always yeah. happens when you take a day off. Something exciting happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into something a little more fun. Uh, you know, talk to me about the locker room. Uh, talk to us about one of the strangest or unusual moments you've witnessed in a locker room, in a major league locker room. And may I, that's, that's putting me on the spot. Let me, <laughs> or, 
Yeah, or I that you can't discuss, I should say. Well, I can't, I can't think of much off the top of my head right now. Um, okay, okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've seen some stuff, but, uh, you know, whether or not you want to let, <laughs> let us know. Here's one I'll... Here's one I'll uh, I, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is just what comes to mind. It's not as strange, it's not crazier, it's not anything that's okay. really even that interesting, but... I remember when uh, Eric Stoltz was here, they had a, uh, mm-hmm. a mini hoop and a mini basketball, and um, and they'd just kind of play basketball in the locker room, like, a, like kind of goofing around. And uh, Eric Stoltz had some hops. I remember he, he, like, <laughs> he dunked a couple times, and I was just like, whoa. And wouldn't have guessed that he, he was that kind of athlete. So <laughs> that's just off the top of my head. Nice, nice. <laughs> Um, you know, w- w- taking over for Corey Brock, uh, he was here for nine years. He had a, a pretty good um, foundation with the, with the Padre fans. Did did he give you any kind of uh, words of advice uh, as far as dealing with the fans or, or dealing with the, the Padres in general? Yeah, I, he he gave me a lot of advice. Obviously, uh, <laughs> as far as the fans, he he kind of just he kind of said be active. Uh, I mean, it, I'm I'm pretty much nothing without you guys. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it, I, and that's, you know what, that's, it's part of my job to kind of be involved with, with, with the fans. Cause I mean, you guys don't get access to the players I do, and I'm trying to kind of take you guys into that mindset. Um, I, uh, and it's just, it's just fun. I mean, I'm a, I'm a soccer fan and I, 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 I understand what it's like to be the fan who wants kind of who who wants to interact who needs those interactions and, and uses that and it's I don't know I just that that's kind of that's one of the things Corey told me essentially is, is just be active and you know just it it makes it it makes it more enjoyable for everybody. Yeah, I definitely think maintaining a, a good relationship between yourself and the fans is is definitely critical in the position you're in and obviously um, for the fans from their perspective as well. Um, so one more thing I wanted to talk about on the field is uh, your thoughts on the catching situation. It seems like Norris is obviously the starter. Uh, with with Betancourt being out of options, he seems to be the likely backup with Hedges uh, slated for AAA. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that's going to shake out? I think you pretty much nailed it. That's uh, Hedges has been playing really well this spring, mm-hmm. but the other thing is the other two catchers have been playing almost as well. Uh, Betancourt's been hitting the ball hard. Norris is a, has been Derek has been the good version of Derek Norris. So that's I mean, the Padres don't want they, they, they didn't want Hedges as their backup catcher anyway because he has such a bright future ahead of him. They want to make sure he's playing every day and not set back at all. So they don't want to they don't want to set him back in his development. Uh, chances are he'll open the season at AAA, uh, yeah. barring a trade or something, um, and then he'll. And then eventually, over time, he'll he'll he's the, he's the catcher of the future. I don't think anyone in the organization doubts that. You actually mentioned yeah. what I was going to bring up about that that possible trade. I, I know you've probably heard the rumors of Norris and Texas Rangers maybe being interested, and Houston looking for catching. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's actually any interest from the Padres' perspective, or is it just uh, smoke and mirrors? I think there's there's always interest. There's always interest in anything, and and if the Padres have a position of strength, they're liable to trade from it mm-hmm. uh so it, it it makes sense but at this point i think it's just there's no more interest than than any than necessarily anywhere else uh it's it just it's just the trade that kind of makes sense roster wise but at mm-hmm. this point there's no reason yeah the padres aren't the, the padres aren't the ones that need to be desperate to make this trade to make a trade at this point they can yeah. if if they get blown away with an offer i'm sure they'll do it yeah, from what I heard, the the, um, the asking price was too high, supposedly, from Texas's perspective. So, if that's the case, I'm I'm happy to hear that because there's like like you said, there's no reason to make a trade just to make a trade. Like, you don't need to force force your hand, basically. Exactly. Yeah. These are the teams yeah. that are in contention. We're the team kind of in sort of limbo, so there's no need for us to rush and throw players away for for nothing, basically. For sure. Yeah, you know, uh, AJ, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, on a couple topics that are kind of hot topics right now. Um, one of them being the, the Goose Gossage Harper uh, drama. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's it's a couple weeks old, but yeah. you know, what, what uh, are your, your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't, I don't know you guys. I am a. I'm not. Here's what I'll say. I would not 
if I, if I were playing basketball, I would not be the dude to flip his bat 10 feet in the air. But I have no problem whatsoever with people who do it. It's, it's, it's a game. It's meant to be mm-hmm. fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think – look at, look at the NBA. Steph Curry hits a three in the corner and does a shimmy. And everyone loves Steph Curry, and I love Steph Curry. Yeah. Uh, why can't Why can't Jose Bautista hit the biggest home run of his life and the second biggest home run in the history of the city in the franchise, and not get pumped about it? You know, and it's, I, I, and I all, I mean, I agree with what Harper said about if, pimp your home run down eight one. Well, kind of screw you. Like, what? There's no why. That's mm-hmm. not that's not in the spirit of the game. But if you get excited about hitting a big home run. Go right ahead. Do whatever you want. You've earned it. That's 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 my other. That's the other way I feel about it. If you if you've worked hard enough your whole life to make it to the major leagues and hit a home run in a big spot in a major league baseball game, you have earned the right to celebrate how you want to celebrate. Yeah, I'm just gonna say that so. when I watched the uh, Jose Batista home run, I'm not even a Blue Jays fan, and I was I was pretty pumped, pumping my fist, yeah. and it was just it yeah. was good entertainment, you know, whether you're a fan or oh, yeah. not. Whether you like bat flips or not, it's just it, the game's supposed to be fun. I mean, I know it's a job, and these guys are getting paid to do this, but they need to be able to have fun too, and that—that's my perspective on it. I could not agree more. Yeah, no, you know the games—the game's slowly morphing, and and you know it's always going to do that, and you know there's always going to be the the old guys that complain in the corner, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's always going to be that way. Um, slowly, I'm turning into one of those old guys, but you know it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. And that's you know what I understand that I am. I mean, I was I watched the NCAA tournament now, and they go to the they go to the replay monitor for eight minutes, and I'm like, oh, back in my day, and we just got to watch yeah. the games, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm getting to that point too. But you one know, thing it, I hope I never ever get to the point is where I I get upset at guys for having too much fun. That's I mean, these yeah. are games they're playing. I don't yeah. ever want to be yeah. that guy that gets upset about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm all about respecting the game, but the, the players need to have fun, and they, and they should be allowed to show that emotion because, you know, like you say, they've they've worked their whole life to get where they are, and, and to show a little emotion after success is, is not a big deal in my eyes, and it shouldn't be taken as, as disrespect. Um, agree more. Okay, last, last question we have for you. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the DH rule. Huh. Oh, man. That's, that is a great question, and my thoughts are I... I like I, I like the NL rule, but baseball needs more offense. So I'm not, I, and I don't know how that needs to come about. I mean, my I'm a big fan. I'm a proponent of the robot strike zone, uh, <laughs> where to the point to well, because I, th- I think that would that would help increase offense too. Because you look at pitches that get called two inches off the plate, oh, that that changes hitters. So uh, uh, baseball needs needs a little more. I, I I like it, the dichotomy and the argument. It's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how sustainable it is because you've got guys going to American League teams who can know they can play the DH. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. Imagine if the Padres had a DH, they could they could write Matt Kemp into their plans a little more easy right now. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a different. It, I don't know how, and especially the fact that they're playing uh, that they're that they're playing uh, interleague play throughout the season. I, I think I think soon enough you're going to see. You're going to see a DH uh, in the National League, maybe in the next 15 years or so. But I, yeah. I like the way it is now. I like the two different. Uh, I like having having it different in both leagues. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I, I I like the concept of uh, if you can't play defense, you can't play. Like I, I like that that concept. But that's uh, it's just never it's never there is no chance that it will ever that the American League will ever get rid of the DH. Yeah, it's jobs for players. People say it's not jobs for players; the same number of jobs. Well, the DHs make a whole lot more money in the American League than bench than that first bench player does in the National League. So exactly. it's exactly. It, it's it, it's it's never going to change in the American League. Uh, and I, I think I, I I like I said I like the concept of uh, of pitchers hitting and I like the strategy involved in that game, but. Uh, there, it's going to have to be universal at some point. Once this, once maybe the salaries start, uh, once it kind of the salaries make it so. Yeah, definitely. You know, with the new collective bargaining agreement, I, I don't know if the players would uh, be uh, be inclined to to use the DH now. I, I know, I know that that uh, the bargaining agreement's coming up in the next year or yeah. so. 
it's something that that might might you might hear a little more about it. Um, I, I think probably more along the lines of ten or fifteen years is probably a little more realistic as far as change. Yeah, I think if if it were gonna, I mean, we're, we are hearing some about it, but if it we're gonna change next year, we'd be hearing. Yeah, I can't imagine it'll be an overnight change. I, but I, what do I know? I yeah, know, I, it, it might. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I would think they would want to ease it, ease the the fans into it, but you know, who knows? And that's another thing. If if they just tossed the DH out there and said, "Hey, have a DH, we have a DH now," that that impacts some National League teams more than it does others. You need there's almost needs to be a buffer year if it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay. Um, all right. Well, AJ. Well, you know, thank you so much. We took enough of your day off. Uh, we, you know, you need to go out and uh, enjoy that uh, fine Phoenix air. Um, we thank you so much for for coming on and and talking uh, ball with us. I, I know it's been a hectic uh, first week for you. Um, you know, if anyone wants to uh, find AJ on Twitter, you can find him at uh, AJ Casavell. Um, you know, anything else that you wish to discuss before you're out of here, AJ? No, but thanks for having me on, guys. I'll. Uh... I'm sure I'll come back on at some point in the future. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you on, and uh, it was great stuff. We we love hearing your, your uh, point of view on, on on all things project related, man. Thank you so all much right. again, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again shortly. All right, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, AJ. Take care. See ya. All right, folks. Well, that was uh, Padre's new beat writer for MLB.com, uh, AJ Casabell. Uh, he was uh, gracious enough to to talk to us a little bit about the team and. Uh, um, your thoughts uh, as far as uh, what we've discussed, Patrick? Um, it's great to have AJ on board. I mean, he seems to, to really enjoy what he's doing, and I think that's the number one thing you can hope for. I mean, obviously we're going to miss Corey, but I-, I liked his thoughts on the team. I mean, he has a lot of good opinions on how things are going to shake out, and uh, over the next two weeks it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we broke a little news with uh, Brandon Maurer moving to the bullpen. <laughs> Or it, it came across while we were recording our podcast. So um, some interesting position battles are going on in spring training. Uh, we'll get a little more clarity on the team in the next week or so. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I think we're about good. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening to our uh, – this is our 14th uh, podcast. Um, we have a couple more guests lined up in the next uh, week or so. And uh, we also have a, a, a little bit of an exciting uh, um breaking type of news that uh, should be released in the next week or so uh, in regards to the site. So thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, Patrick, you want to go ahead and uh, send us out? Uh, yeah. Um, give us a follow on Podbean. That's where we're hosted. We're also on iTunes now. Uh, give us a review. That'd be much appreciated. Um, I'm in the process of trying to get us on Stitcher. I know a lot of people use Stitcher for their podcasts. So uh, yeah, just uh, stay tuned for that. Hopefully I'll get that set in the next week or so. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining in and uh, East Village Times podcast signing out. <laughs>